What's up? It's your pal Wench Against Thoughtagus, and this is The Bar is Low. Every episode, take a look at fan fiction or a collection of fan fictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly they're bad. So it really isn't the Wench Against Thoughtagus experience without the erotic black metal fan fiction. So, like, hello darkness, my old friend. This goes way back. This is where I started. So if you don't know much about black metal, you might not want to listen to this episode, but you also might totally want to listen to this episode because if you thought the other fandoms I cover are crazy, get ready to have your mind blown. First of all, Norwegian black metal. You're going to think of like Satanism and churches burning and murder and all that stuff. And I'm here to tell you all that's true. Except they really like weren't Satanists in anything but image, but they they murdered each other and they burned tons of churches. I do like to give a little bit of background because it's pretty niche. These guys were some real edge lords. The head of the scene in Norway happened in the late 80s and early 90s. Our main band here, we're gonna talk about Mayhem. They're not like the main band necessarily because they were the best, but because they did the most weird shit. So I'm gonna talk about some of their members. We got Pear, lead vocalist. His stage name is Dead. Literally, just he called himself Dead. He was just a really depressed dude. Didn't feel like he belonged in the human living world. He would do stuff like cut himself on stage, bury his clothes and dig them up, and carry around dead birds. Real stable guy, as you can see. He shot and killed himself in 91. And Euronymous, the guitarist, was a total true cult edgelord, owned Helveth, the original black metal record shop where he promoted his shit in other bands. He got stabbed to death in 93. Varg. Let's fucking Varg. He is more known for his work in his solo band Burzum, but he was in Mayhem for a bit. He hung out with all those guys. He's still alive today. Now he's an alright YouTuber. He's trailed off with making music. He's now more into spreading fear-mongering propaganda online and also RPGs. Lots of RPGs. And he's the one who stabbed Euronymous to death. No one is really sure exactly what went down between them. He burned a lot of churches too. As a side note, I was actually lucky enough to go to Norway recently and uh, I got to see one of the churches he torched and then they, they rebuilt it. It's one room, but they had <laughs> they had three fire extinguishers for that singular room. And the church bell is connected to the fire station down the road and I just found that goddamn hilarious. So those are the three main guys. I'll talk about a few others though briefly. Necro Butcher and Hellhammer. I know they have cool names, cool black metal names. They're the bassist and the drummer respectively. They didn't do anything too crazy, and they're both actually still in the band, and yes, this band's still touring. Then Fenris, he's in a different band, Dark Throne. He is the only really big name who makes an appearance in any of these. Uh, He never did any crazy shit, and he actually seems like a great fucking guy, and he has a fantastic sense of humor. And unlike the other black metal dudes, he doesn't take himself seriously. I love Fenris. Gotta love Fenris. He's a bit of a meme. So... Black metal, not something you think that fangirls would write yaoi and prick bullshit of, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> you would be wrong. While they do prefer writing Slash, they'll write themselves into the fix sometimes, because you gotta get that self-insert bullshit going. Like, who doesn't want to fuck a guy who's been dead for 25 years sometimes? Is it really any weirder than wanting to fuck a cartoon character like so many of us want to do? Let's get into it. We're gonna do two medium length fix today. The first one is actually kind of alright, but the second one is some real classic bad content. So this first one here is called You're Not Alone. I'm Weird Too. So just by the title, 
you can see what brand of bullshit we're getting ourselves into. This sounds like every Wattpad fic where there's an emo girl or something and there's a bunch of preppy kids and they pick on her because she's named Raven. This is not that much different, but instead of emo, it's black metal and the girl like doesn't have an emo name. She has a fucking anime name. I looked it up and it actually does have a Finnish origin, but it sounds like an anime name and I can't unthink that. She's named Kaiko, which I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing that right, but it's spelled K-A-I-K-K-O. But she goes by Wrath. That's her cool black metal name. In the narration, she's also described frequently as the little one, which, you know, doesn't sound very metal to me, but okay. And honestly, this fic is not as bad as I remembered it being. In fact, as far as real person fic goes, it's pretty fucking okay. Not especially well written or anything, but it's pretty good about characterization and showing how these people interact with each other. And some of them, yeah, they're one dimensional, but others get fleshed out and they do a pretty good job of that. In spite of what I have said so far, Kaiko isn't a Mary Sue. She really isn't. They didn't do a good job proofreading this thing, so it loses some points there, but this is actually not that bad. So our pal Kaiko from Finland is heading down to Oslo to meet up with this other girl, Ida, who happens to be chilling with no other than your boy Euronymous. It takes them a while to explain this, but Kaiko's living with her mom now that her parents got a divorce and they're moving back to Norway because Ida and her parents are close family friends of theirs and they wanted to be nearer to each other. So, Hero's hair is described as raven black. Yep, there it is. The word raven gets thrown around a lot, but I like this because they're like, yep, he's not for real. I see those blonde roots of his. He dyed his hair like a fucking poser. So immediately, this fucking dickbag is judging her appearance, and I think I do need to read this quote. He was quite disappointed in her looks after seeing the basically perfect Ida with wavy blonde locks, very pretty face, and a well-toned hot body. He imagined all her girlfriends were at least as pretty. This one was, well, not what he'd expected. First of all, Kaiko was a kid around 16 or 17, closer to 17. About her body, she was skinny, very skinny, as skinny as dead. He couldn't quite see her figure because of the oversized Celtic Frost hoodie that was covering it, but he could see her legs were so thin that they had a gap between them as she was wearing skinnies. The other massive flaw was her face. <laughs> Maybe it looked okay naturally, but the failed attempt of makeup made her look similar to a zombie. Then there was a silver ring right there in the middle of her lip. No, just no. But the freakiest thing about her was the hair. It was way long and so messy that one would she hadn't combed it in years. Also, it had layers. The long ones were raven black. There's that word again, raven black. And the shorter ones were between white and silver. The guitarist couldn't say he was disgusted about her, but he clearly didn't like her looks at all. So props to this author for not making her a girl who doesn't know she's beautiful and just needs to be told to someone who's kind of ratty looking and trying to overcompensate for her at least perceived ugliness. And we're gonna make it pretty obvious that Euronymous is gonna be a douchebag all the way through because the gals are talking and he's like, so uh, how about my band Mayhem? We're the evilest, most brutal people alive. Can we talk about me now? And yes, that evilest, most brutal line was a direct quote. 
So now this bitch has to meet the whole squad. She's been to the record shop, which I, I guess Hieronymus lives in, or rather lives above. But the band house is a cabin out in the woods, which, you know, sounds kind of like a red flag right there. It's some real horror movie shit to go out to a cabin in the woods and get sacrificed by the evilest, most brutal people alive. Hieronymus is trying to get with Ida because he's a fuck boy. And Kaiko, eventually, she's going to try to get with Pear. That's really, that, that's the pairing here. Pairing, I did not mean for that to be a pun, but f whatever, fuck it is, I guess. So, I myself, I'm nowhere near as socially impaired and mentally screwed up as Pear was, but you know, out of the side of this podcast, I'm pretty friggin' terrible at talking to people, especially new people, so basically, I understand his struggle here. He just wants to be left alone and not bothered. Like, he should have gotten some psychiatric treatment, but that's that's a little different from some random bitch coming up to talk to you and trying to get you to open up to her. And he's actually brave enough to say, hey, uh, could you fuck off? You're kind of annoying me. And, you know, Hell Emery Necrobutcher, who always get left out of the action in these fics, which is good for them, intervene, start talking to her, and they're best bros. Like, they bro-fist her when she says something sassy to Euronymous in the next chapter. Like, this is a content I'm here for. I don't want to read about how you want to fuck dead people. I want to read about how you want to bro-fist Hellhammer and Necrobutcher. So they want to decorate their record shop, keep all the posers up, because Euro has a fucking superiority complex, like any metal elitist, really. Like, my mom has literally been inside this record record shop and she's the least metal person ever so you failed Euro. You, you failed i've been in helvet too it's a really cool place if you ever get the chance to go just do it just fucking do it but this whole fic like every time they're in the record shop i'm just comparing it to the mental map i formed of the place to see how accurate the description is i think the author actually did do some research before writing this and i don't say that just because of the shop or whatever she like researched how their actual tour went and i guess where they lived and all that but helvet it has a really weird layout so even if you've seen loads of pictures of it i wouldn't expect you to figure out how to navigate it like there's this spiral staircase just hidden in the corner that descends into the basement and then the basement is pretty damn confusing you got the main like tile floor area and then you've got some paths leading up to the other places they share the building with then of course you've got the black metal room and they literally have to put up signs pointing to it because it's in such a weird just secluded area of the building i i'm rambling now but the point is that helvet is super cool obviously some things have changed since the 90s and the new owners redid it a bit but the layout itself i don't think would be any different but who's going to enter the story now it's varg fucking varg so he shows up and he's also like i don't know man this anime girl seems a little weird to me like yeah coming from someone who believes that larping lets you channel your past lives Guys, don't go on Varg's YouTube channel. It's not worth it. Things get a whole lot more malevolent than LARPing. They also call him a Viking a lot during the narration, and he doesn't deserve that title. But oh, look, romance is in the air. At least friendship. It starts off as friendship, which is a bit refreshing. Kaiko drops something while decorating, and Euronymous yells at her, but pairs like, bro, calm the fuck down. And then he, like, kind of banishes them to the street. And then she and Pear start bonding over what a dick Euronymous is. And she's like, hey, come over to my house and let's chill. Not like Netflix and chill, but like regular chill, like pals. And he's like, uh, no comprende? Because even in a circle of outsiders, there's still both outsiders, even though I don't know what's her deal. She doesn't exactly carry around dead crows with her like he does. Which, they don't address that at all. Like, the only one of his bad habits they talk about is cutting, which is... 
unfortunately pretty common among people but try dating a guy who brings dead animals everywhere and see if you still like him after that and they bond over how weird they are and I, yeah like i said i don't really get what makes kaiko weird aside from her makeup and hair like sounds like Hieronymus is just the popular girl who picks on those with inferior fashion sense but then again to be fair hair and makeup very important parts of black metal. It's more important than knowing how to play your damn instrument. Paris starts calling her kiddo. I mean, she's like, what, 16, 17? She has an 18th birthday in this fic, but uh, I don't, how old was he when he died? Like his early 20s? Like they don't specify what year this is set in, but I'm getting some iffy vibes from whatever age gap is going on here. Like he lives on his own and the band lives on their own without anyone older than them around, but she still lives with her mom. And then everyone just starts catching in wind of them hanging out with each other and just super heterosexual with everyone thinking, they oh, they must like each other. They're hanging out. <sighs> Guys, men and women can be just friends, you fucks. And then Euro gets pissed the fuck off again at Pear and calls him back to yell at him because he vanished for no reason. I don't know why this guy puts up with everyone's bullshit. Like, he just quit the band. I don't know why he doesn't quit the band. I don't think they really ever give a reason for that. Um, and then he makes Kaiko walk Vark to the train station and Vark- oh my god. Vark is such a fucking creep in this. He's actually such a fucking creep in both of the fix, which is a bit unusual. Um, usually they'll just have Uranus being an asshole in all of them. I mean, obviously he is here, but not in the next one. But Vark usually is not portrayed as a bad person, even though he definitely is a bad person. So they walk to the train station together and he's- yeah, he's a creep. He keeps slapping her ass even though she obviously hates him and is not interested in him in that way or any way, really. Uh, I don't know why he had to be walked to the train station anyway. I mean, I don't know how it was in the 80s and 90s, but the public transportation in Oslo is really damn good. Like, there are trams and buses and trains, like, going everywhere regularly, and they don't even check to see if you have a ticket. Like, I could have theoretically gone around the city for free. Varg will be fine. The public transportation is easy. So, you know, Kaiko and Pear, they're just hanging out a lot. It's pretty chill. It's refreshing to see them just being pals without the heterosexual nonsense in there, which is going to change, but hey, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. And they're just out there sharing their life stories, which means some pretty fucked up stuff gets put out there. Like, yeah, Dad had a pretty fucked up life being, you know, like pronounced clinically dead because of an accident as a child and they ended up reviving him. Like, that's for real. That's why they call him that. One thing they do say is, and this is a quote, his spine sprang open. Can one's spine spring open? And if it can, could one recover from the spine springing open? I don't know what that means. I feel like I'm asking if a pussy can quiver, but like this is way more traumatic than that. Kaiko, meanwhile, has something between a tragic past and an I'm an edgelord story where she like did drugs and got in trouble with the police. And she has a no good dad who's out of the picture right now. Not really daddy issues, I'd say, but he's just not around anymore. The band's gonna play a show, so Ida and Kaiko go, and they run into Varg, who's acting all creepy again. And he drags her outside to have a private talk. And Kaiko thinks it looks like I might get assaulted out here. But in the end, the author was like, no, there's not going to be a rape scene in this fic. So good on you, Barzla. He's really just fed up with her fake badass attitude. And I don't know, kind of her being disruptive. I don't know, something like that. But this line really bothers me. I'm going to read it. That couldn't be his intention, meaning sexual assault, as she wasn't asking for it in any way, not by looking hot, neither by acting seductive or by being too drunk to know what was going on. 
bitch don't victim blame no one is ever asking for it being hot and dressing up nice even if you're showing your fucking ankles or whatever because it actually doesn't fucking matter what you wear that's not asking for it being seductive just because you lead someone on it doesn't mean they get to fuck you if you change your mind like you can say no at any time and then you're asking for the exact opposite of being raped and are you saying that if i just want to have a little drink i'm just begging to be raped no i just want to be drunk sometimes you know oh, while i was doing these notes i cracked open some red wine in honor of not fucking asking for it god i haven't actually had a drink since i was in norway where it was goddamn legal drunk fic is a much appreciated brand of my writing and i need to do it more often <laughs> we, we need to lower that drinking age in the u.s like come on i can die in a war overseas i can participate in our fine democracy but i can't drink some fermented plant juice come on really let me drink the fermented plant juice so Varg, yeah, he doesn't rape her, but he does forcibly kiss her and like grope her legs and try to go a bit further. But she's like, yeah, I've really got to escape. I can't miss the show. Not, yeah, I've really got to escape. I really don't want to be raped. And of course, she's like, wow, Dead is so amazing on stage. The rest of the band, you know, they're pretty mediocre, especially Euronymous Lol. <laughs> and she does that thing where you pass her on a beach ball, like as they do at concerts, but with a fucking pig head. I mean, I know that Mayhem and a lot of other black metal bands too use pig heads as props during concerts, but using it like a beach ball is a little much. A, a pig head and a beach ball are very different. Like, a beach ball that's just not heavy and it, it moves slowly so you have plenty of time to, to push it away, but a pig head, like, you're just gonna try to push it and it, it, your hands are gonna, like, go into the eye sockets or something and you're gonna be like, oh no, I have this f fucking rotting pig meat all over me and you're gonna, like, throw it and then it's gonna hit someone in the fucking head and they're gonna fucking pass out or something and you know dead he likes to cut himself on the stage so he gets pretty woozy from that blood loss but kaiko does go back to check on him after the show and she bandages him with a random convenient cloth just lying there but like that doesn't sound sanitary to me i wouldn't do that but here does go to the hospital but in spite of this, Keiko goes to an after party to meet the rest of the circle. And f fucking Fenris is there. I love Fenris. He's my favorite. I'm enjoying these self-inserts where they're like, I wish I could have had a few drinks with these guys to see what it was like. Instead of, I want to fuck the band guys and I want to see them fuck each other. It's porn time, bitch. Like, I would have fucking loved to have a beer with Fenris. He seems like a great person to have a goddamn beer with. And there's some other dudes there. There's Mannheim. He's not important. It's like his only appearance. Torben, who I guess was uh, Mayhem's drama for like a year in the 80s. Like he doesn't play with them here, but I guess they still hang out. They're going to become friends, but she does visit the hospital. And first she has to talk to her mom about what the hell happened last night. And her, her mom doesn't give a fuck. And she just is like, here's some beer money, sweetie. Meanwhile, writing these notes, I'm just sipping wine from a plastic bottle that I stole from my summer job. So she doesn't actually know his real name. So she's like, hey, nurse, I'm looking for dead for mayhem. And she like holds his hand because she thinks he's asleep and he wakes up and holds her hand back. And she's like, oh, oh, I see. Oh, but he's like, uh, no, your hands are warm and mine are cold. That's why I'm touching you. <laughs> First of all, having cold hands all the fucking time. That's the winch against Thodica's experience. Second of all, there's this line. Scrooning all the cute moments. That's so typical to dead. What's with the tense change and scrooning? 
is that a combination of screwing and ruining? I don't know what she was trying to say here. Well, Keiko and her new pals, Fenris and Torben, are gonna go to a metal festival for her birthday, and she wants her to come, but he refuses, and they will totally overreact. Here's how this conversation should have gone. Hey, I'd like you to come to this festival with me for my birthday. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not very comfortable in such environments, but I hope you have a fantastic time. Let's hang out some other day and do something for your birthday so I don't totally miss it. Thanks, I'd love to do that. And I understand why going to a festival is not something that you'd be comfortable with or want to do. I'll see you then. How it actually goes. Hey, I'd like you to come to this festival with me for my birthday. I don't like parties. I'll be drunk guys and mosh pits and fights. And also I'm afraid that you'll find other friends who are better than me. But drunk guys and mosh pits are fun. Fine, go if you want to. I get drunk and high and have sex with some dudes. I don't fucking care. Okay, then tell everyone what an asshole I am, you lonely dickwad. Fine, I don't need you. What? Why? Why, why do they overreact like that? So he does make her some jewelry as a present for her anyways. While she's hanging out with those other dudes, Fenris and Torben, and he runs to go give it to her at the train station as they're about to leave, but now she doesn't see him, and he gets all angsty about it. So the festival goes pretty well, but she gets totally fucking wasted and hurts herself in the pit, so Fenris and Torben carry her home, and they're like, uh, she's covered in vomit, I don't really want to change your clothes, but someone needs to do it. Uh, neither do I, I mean, I'm no creep. Uh, let's, let's call Pear, he's, they're, they're into each other, right? Okay, let's do it. They call him, and he, like, takes the train all the way to this other city, <laughs> and there's this line where Fenris is like, if I was a girl, I'd definitely want a boyfriend like you, because, you know, he just came to that city at a moment's notice, which is kind of a funny line. But they kind of have to lock him in the room with her so he can take off her clothes. It's, it's kind of awkward, but they go home, and he gives her the necklace, Aww. and she thanks him by kissing him on the nose, and he's like, bitch, that's it. So they just fucking make out on that train, and no one yells at them for their PDA. So they're kind of together now, but they still like each other as friends too, but also fuck buddies. They're, they're fuck buddies, really, even though they don't fuck for a while. So it's sleepover over time, right? This section is, you know, honestly kind of wholesome. Will I say it? Cute? Perhaps. I'm like into the body positivity thing going here, because he's just like, it's all good, I've seen you shirtless, now you're gonna see me shirtless, and we're not judging each other. That's just how we look. And they're not having sex or anything, she's just taking off her shirt to show him her new tattoo, and he just takes off his shirt, because she doesn't think it's fair that only she would be shirtless. And she sees his body, and she's like, it's kind of sad that you find comfort in cutting yourself. And he's like, huh, someone who's not praising me for being brutal, like fucking your aunt, is exploiting my mental illness for the band's success? Wow, someone who actually cares about me. This is nice. So this is really the last arc. Things are wrapping up here. The band's gonna go on tour, and Kaiko and Pear are gonna miss each other so much, and it's all angsty and shit. And he's like suggesting all these excuses why she could come along, like, cause our makeup artist. I mean, you're pretty good at making people look like they're rotting alive. Excuse me, are you mocking my makeup talent? Bitch, what talent? And they do this like play wrestling thing. And I really do like how this isn't very sexual. It's focused on how they interact as friends before lovers. Kaiko, she's got Fenris and Torben and Ida to hang out with because he's gone now. She goes to see Fenris in Bergen where he lives and he's been real angsty as of late. And why? We get a little crush on Kaiko. And they kiss even though she doesn't like him like that. 
Fenris, you're better than this. And then Kaiko rejects him and he talks shit on pair. Like, I can't believe you like that freak more than me. And she's like, oh yeah, that's not helping your chances, asshole. Fenris, you're better than this. Meanwhile, we do get to see a little bit of what's going on at tour. Euro's so fucking uptight about it. Some things go wrong. Like the power cuts out. Yeah, he yells up hair and like, he didn't even do anything and Necrobutcher's all like, bro, calm down. So he's like, oh shit, I am no longer the favored one here. Sure can't be cause I'm a huge fucking asshole. And then the tour ends, everyone reunites and there's, there's some drama straight people drama their angst is just all hatred and jealousy and fighting i'll give pear a little bit of a pass because he was never exactly mentally stable pear and kaiko they fight a bit but he's like baby i didn't count the days till i'd be back home so you could angrily storm away from me while i stood in this bathtub while a month's worth of dirt slabs off of me because i didn't bathe for a goddamn month and they get over it and of course now that the fixing year gets end they got fuck so that's how it ends with them finally getting together and boning and my my thoughts overall this actually wasn't as bad as i remember i did like how they focused more on their interactions as friends and the sexual stuff was secondary wholesome in a way as far as uh you know black metal self-insert bullshit goes this was pretty all right i don't think i'd say good but i wouldn't call it outright bad either like the slow burn worked in other ones like the next one we're gonna talk about they're immediately like i have a crush on you because you're sexy and they fuck like immediately but this one wasn't very graphic and it was relatively respectful for real person fic like the platonic vibes going on there with how they included Fenris and Torben in there too. It was pretty okay. It was pretty okay. But this next one, man, this takes the quality way down. Let's talk about the writing style first, as we tend to do. It really isn't written much worse or better than the first one in terms of proofreading and how eloquent it is, but it just doesn't feel as natural. This thing switches point of view all the time. The self-insert girl is so blatantly undisguised. She speaks in first person, but fortunately it's also past tense, so at least we got that going. And the fellas, they're all in first person too, except Varg for some reason. Overall, not well written. The chapters are really short and logic? What's that? Never heard of her. And that's really my biggest problem with this fic, that it doesn't make a lot of sense, and you'll see why shortly. So we begin in a mosh pit. Self-insert bitch is making a big deal out of being a girl in a mosh pit. Like, hee, no one can tell I'm a woman because I have loose clothing. So fun fact about me, your pal wants to start a kiss. I fucking love mosh pits. I go to a concert, I see a mosh pit, I run straight for it. Now, people in those pits are generally dudes, but they don't give a shit. On the rare occasions, there have been individuals who are smaller than me in a mosh pit I've been in. I've been like, okay, maybe I should be careful about hitting them. You know what? Nah, that's not what they want. They would want me to be as brutal as possible. And if people see you're a girl in a mosh pit, they're not gonna be like, oh, so delicate. They're gonna high five you. They're like, you're a badass, high five me. So this girl, who has no name yet, gets hit by a dude wearing a spiked bracelet in the pit. First of all, a fucking idiot. What kind of fucking idiot? wears a spiked bracelet into a mosh pit and doesn't expect to fucking tear someone's eyes out or something. They do nail pit etiquette though, even though everyone's you know, trying to kill each other. We're all there to have a good time, so the dude apologizes and then someone's like, hey, uh, this bitch is injured, let's get some help over here. But this is really dumb because you don't pass out from getting scratched with someone's arm spikes. This bitch must have hemophilia or something. If you're this sensitive, you have no business being in a mosh pit anyway. This chapter was called Blood and Fire. That's so fucking dramatic. Getting scratched in a mosh pit is a normal part of the heavy metal life, so calm your ass down. 
you can always kick this off by remembering that a guy got hit in the head with a sheep skull at a mayhem concert and he had to go to the hospital for that so i think he could be more creative than getting scratched with some arm spikes she could have got hit with a, with an animal skull so that might have been more interesting so clearly what you do when someone is injured at your concert is bring them back to your tour bus but hey they give kind of a reason they're like yeah that pair he's always catting himself so we've got a team of doctors on board just for him because we're a black metal band and we can't afford that except there really aren't any doctors there it also says there were no hospitals for hundreds of miles where the fuck are they are they just having a concert out at the north pole and they're all shocked that oh it's a woman and no i guess they don't have doctors because the band members themselves have to treat her by the way hellhammer and necrobudger never even get mentioned i guess we just have a vocal and guitar duo here so we start off with Pear being like, oh, she's pretty hot. And we get some background and he's, he's fucking your own myths, actually. They be screwing. And we do learn this girl's name, finally. It's Jasmine. When she wakes up, she's also immediately catching feels. And here's a quote. His eyes were as cool and blue as the Norwegian Sea, and I felt lost in them. <laughs> and then they take her back home you know because that's what you do when you have an injured person with you she doesn't have a home but she's going to all these black little concerts huh yep i'm a girl all of my own afraid to go to this show without pretending to be male why don't i just let these strange men i just met who seem very suspicious take me into their tour bus instead of a goddamn hospital and then bring me to their home but they are just chillin' and have a good time at the house. Uh, like, aren't they on tour? Maybe that was their last show, but uh, still, not explained. And it, is Jasmine not a normal-ass person? Like, hey, y'all, thanks for putting me up, but I need to go home instead of, you know, moving in with you guys. Like, people are gonna wonder where I am. Are they making friends with each other? But she's suspicious, you know, the normal-ass person should be. Like, what do these guys want with me? So they just so casually mention that pair self-harms like yeah that's who he is when he performs but they're like yeah he does it here too uh, he likes to cut himself yeah i sure do like to cut myself don't worry about it i won't cut you kind of personal to just share with someone like that i mean you don't really ask people about their scars or you don't just bring them up out of nowhere so i know this episode is about self-inserts but i did choose this fic specifically because of the multiple relationships and where they go as aforementioned, Pear and Euro, they'd be fucking in this version of things, because, you know, one self-insert isn't enough. This author wanted to bone both these guys, so yeah, she couldn't choose this one. So now we're gonna get that porn of these two boning spread across multiple really sh fucking short-ass chapters. Little Pear is a virgin, and Euro's gonna guide him all. How sweet, don't write porn of real people, ya nasty. Here's this quote. But I thought sex was just taking off your clothes and kissing pele asked perplexed pell i don't know how you'd say his nickname and then it says the poor guy he had apparently not paid attention during sex ed class i bet scandinavia has way better sex ed than here how do you stay that clueless even without the internet but euro just gives him a blowjob not much to it this fic isn't one of the more graphic ones I've done on the show. It's not too detailed or anything, but Jasmine, that self-insert girl, just walks on these two sleep in the morning after, and she's like, I'm kind of into both of them, but what if they're gay? Then what about me? Oh my god, then it's tragic backstory time. 
or at least angst time because Euro and Jasmine are just chilling and eating breakfast and he's like oh so you've got a little tattoo on your hand and she's like it says everlasting love and I got it for my ex who said he loved me forever but he cheated on me and now I'm gonna run away crying but uh, oh Euronymous he's so sensitive and he's like baby I'll listen to you and she's like I have suffered and they kiss but Pear is watching because drama yay so then Pear and Euro have to argue like I thought you loved me but you're kissing her oh woe is me for the two people I like the most like each other I love triangle I must cut myself now she's been there like a day and both of them are madly in love with her already that's some self-insert bullshit if I've ever seen it. So now things are getting a little bit interesting. Because did you want a love triangle? Nah, let's get a love quadrilateral up in this bitch. Because a man. A man is watching them from the forest. You know, as one does. There's this one random part of this chapter where he just shoots a squirrel with a bow and arrow and then eats it raw out of pure rage. I don't know why that's in here, but it is. And now this man. He wants Pear back in his arms at any cost after getting rejected by him. And this is the direct quote. The direct quote that ends the chapter. I have had enough, he yelled into the empty forest. Nobody fucks with the fork of a curtis. <laughs> so this motherfucker has apparently just been in the forest for weeks now for some reason. He just he knocks on their door being like, hey, I could use some help here. I got lost in the forest. And Euronymous opens up and fucking bathes him in this little hoe. He's catching feelings for everyone just left and right. Oh, man, I guess in this universe they don't know each other, but that's not really explained. But these guys, they just live in the middle of nowhere, huh? They were just saying that there was a fucking grocery store and record shop right down the street. Why is Varg just roughing it in the forest when they live in, like, freaking Oslo or something? They get cozy with Varg and Paris into him, too. Because y'all just gotta have an orgy, huh? Jasmine's actually the only sane one, maybe because she's the one writing this fic and knows what's going to happen next. And she's like, I don't know, man. This guy seems chill. But he also high-key came out of nowhere. But like fools. Jasmine and Euronymous still just leave Perrin Varg alone because they want to have some sex. And they've known each other for how long? Two days? And they're saying they're I love you already. Ugh. Ugh. There's this very brief quote from the sex scene. Sweet hot s-word first of all no don't use that word we don't say the s-word second of all i've never heard cum described as sweet but hey i mean i've, I've never tasted it and i never intend to so I, how would i know maybe cum can be sweet heard it depends on what you eat uh, she's not even describing cum that she's eating it's it's what's running down her leg i don't i don't understand why they use the taste word when she's not tasting it but Pear knows that they fucks, and he's very angry, and they have a fight. Here's a quote. It's generally pretty funny. Pear kept walking out into the woods. Suck my dick, Euronymous. In that moment, all my pain and sorrow turned to rage. I already did, you son of a bitch. But Pear runs off into the woods, and Var goes after him. Eh, ain't this perfect for our little creeping fucking shit? Bitch, fuck, shit, fuck you, Varg. And neither of them come back for hours. But, you know, homie Euronymous, he just doesn't go after them. He just spends the day moping around like a dumbass. Varg and Pear, meanwhile, they're in some woods. Because that's a great fucking place to be when you live in Norway and it's wintertime. And Pear's angsting. And Varg's all like, he doesn't really love you. But I do. And props to this author for showing some self-awareness and being like, hey, Varg's opinion on love is all horse shit. He thinks love is about control and obsession and not trust. And that ain't cool. 
Fark drugs this poor fucker. Like, son, you were doing so well. You were seducing him. He was going to fuck you in those goddamn woods in the Norwegian winter out of his own desire. You didn't need to rape him. But hey, mayhem fans all love reading about dead getting raped because fuck you. And I hate how everyone in the comments is like, oh, oh, oh poor little penny. Y'all are the ones putting him th through all this shit and enjoying him getting raped, you assholes. God, you don't have the right to say that. So this shit's whack. I guess for just has this sex slave of his chained up in the tent in the forest and just rapes him whenever he's not doing survival tasks like hunting and he makes him call him master cause fuck you. Alright fellas, let's get this bitch moving cause it's been weeks and neither of them have been seen yet. Euronymous and Jasmine, who I guess Jasmine just really doesn't have a home or are people wondering where she would be. They call the cops, but no one's found shit. And then there's this really lame-ass deus ex machina, because they really, they had to get it moving somehow. Euronymous has this little dream. He has a fucking dream moment about what happened to Pear, and he's like, it's all true, I know it in my soul. Ugh, that's so stupid. I, I hate when people are like, magical vision, dream, shit, yeah. It's just such an easy out. Come on, you guys. You could have done this a different way. So these two also run off into the wilderness, and it's fucking snowing, y'all, and they're staying inside of a fucking tree, and they're like, yeah, let's have sex in this tree in the snow, and there isn't like a full-blown sex scene, but it's just like, yep, we had sex in this tree in the snow, and we don't have frostbite or splinters or anything. So a few days later, I guess they somehow managed to track them down, you know, and the police didn't have a clue, and... and there didn't seem to be anything that indicated in their magical dream about their location or how to get there. Um, and they find them, Pear's barely clinging to life. And Jasmine's like, oh my god, Pear, are you alright? Uh, obviously fucking not. But the and at the end of this chapter, I do appreciate it. It says, should Varg go to jail or die for his sins? I say kill him, and indeed, Varg fucking perishes as he shows up. And Euronymous is like a bitch, what did you do to him? And, and stabs him to death in an ironic twist of fate, considering the real-life events. Let's all start referring to real life as canon, where it canonically stabbed Euronymous to death. But here it is the other way around. So they just carry Pear home and leave Varg's body in a pond to rot. First of all, Okay, I guess they're just gonna get away with murder. I mean, Vark seems pretty off the grid living in the forest and shit. Maybe he doesn't have an identity, really. Second, it took some days to get there, but now they're just carrying him back and he makes it all the way there without, you know, succumbing to his wounds. And they nurse him back to health themselves? Nori's got good health care, so use it, y'all. Take his ass to the hospital, but oh wait, I guess there aren't any hospitals for hundreds of miles around. They go back, and Pear's recovering. It takes him a while, but eventually he's ready to have sex again, which is the only thing they really care about. So indeed, they are in a polyamorous relationship now, which is my favorite outcome to love triangle bullshit, but it's also funny to me, because the other just couldn't decide what band member she wanted. Oh, so Euronymous basically guides him through sex with her, because he doesn't know how to fuck a woman, and then they end up having a threesome. That's how it's done, fellas. But, oh my god, we're not done yet, because... Even though we had the, the plot that, that climaxed, much like these characters all climax, um, and then the resolution, we have some more chapters of bullshit, because this is some bullshit right here, and ugh, it always starts the same damn way. It's just about every time, with the vomiting, and everyone being clueless, so that it can be a big reveal even though we already know what's happening, because of the damn vomiting. It's time for me to outright say it. <sighs> we've, we've talked about... Uh, 
fucking emperor of, of this particular phantom way back in episode nine and people just love to dump their emperor all over pair because fuck him i guess and they had really what pisses me off so much about this is that they had no excuse because there was a woman right there and they both came inside of her my theory is that they didn't want their self-insert getting pregnant because then only one of them could be the father and you know how jasmine feels about choosing only one <laughs> why you gotta and they have to address oh it might be a rape baby so that's always fun and oh jasmine's a fucking genius huh she says something like does your intuition tell you that this baby was made from pain or love bruh seriously that's the dumbest way i've ever heard to determine the parentage of a child that's so stupid and he kind of grows a pussy to get it out but i, I thought most people were just like he'll push it out through his ass that's how emperor works or as we learned last week hyenas give birth through their clitorises which is kind of like giving birth through a dick so i'm not saying dick birth is necessarily the best way to go i'm just saying that it's an option and you, you y'all need to take this guy to a doctor like holy shit dude you should go to a doctor and make sure everything's fine even if you're a normal pregnant woman uh, wait there are no hospitals for hundreds of miles right forgot that for a moment these people are crazy the the people who write and read this shit they're all in the comments like i'd like to see some fan art of pair pregnant and i think like i try to photoshop that how about you don't do that how about don't make fetish art of real people got it okay good so it's time for some mpreg birth because fuck you that's why and he's in horrible pain he's like i'm never having sex with you again you're on a mist. but hey how do you know that yours the father could be jasmine because anything's fucking possible here hell he could be like the virgin mary but like you know not a virgin like god or satan or someone could have been like Yeet. it'll really get them to pay attention if my child is birthed from some guy's dick after all yeah anything is possible so they do a home birth because they don't want people to know that pairs a freak of nature not because you know there aren't any hospitals around for hundreds of miles uh, it's a girl they name it rose thick ends with everyone happy and shit yay uh, and really all i can say is why are people like this from rape to impreg no i have so many questions was jasmine just homeless before Perrin euro took her in if so why did she choose to spend her money on a black metal show rather than basic food shelter shit like that was no one wondering where the hell she vanished off to after the concert does she have hemophilia? And where were the other band members? Why were they not even mentioned? Why didn't the band actually do any band stuff at any point? Do any of these fuckers have jobs? Why didn't they know Varg, but Varg knew them? It says that Pear rejected Varg, but Pear never like recognizes Varg from anywhere. I don't know what's up with that. The Imprig, of course, that's an internal question that cannot be answered and varies from fic to fic, but how does that work? My main question though is why did they feel the need to put Imprig in it? when they were literally in a polyamorous relationship with a woman like i i just don't get that there's a sequel to this about their baby i'm not covering it i feel like this alone was enough this bullshit right here we'll hand it to this author for having a goddamn plot though and killing off farg like things actually happen in this even outside of the relationship drama type bullshit if there's one thing i'll give this fic it's that it was never boring but you gotta remember the bar's low folks and that my friends is a taste of black metal self-insert fanfic bullshit from the not so bad stuff to the pretty fucking bad stuff and i assure you yes that was just a taste there there is more there is definitely more today we covered you're not alone i'm weird too by autism speaks i don't know why they chose that as their username but hey it is and a new by mrs jimbert
Bar is low is on Instagram. You can find us at the bar is low with an underscore between each word. Follow us so you know what's coming up next. If you want to leave a rating or a review on iTunes, that'd be real cool. I'm not going to beg you for five stars. Give me however many damn stars you think I deserve. As always, I'm your pal when she gets thought of This is the bar is low. Thank you for joining me. And it's all for today.